Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, hey, everybody. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Journey Online. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm honored that you're here today making us a part of your Sunday experience. And I want to encourage you, if you're here with us watching at the 10 a.m. or noon services, join us right after the service at our Zoom community groups. It's only 20 to 25 minutes long, but it's been amazing to connect with you all digitally. And I encourage you, if you've never tried it, just give it a try today. The hosts, they're going to put a link up here in the chat. Just click that link and be ready to join us at the end of our services in just a few minutes. Now, this week, we celebrated Thanksgiving. And if you're wondering if Pastor Mike broke his diet, the answer is yes. You better believe it. Turkey stuffing, uh, pumpkin pie, hello. Do I even need to pray about it? No, I broke the diet. But we are already heading into the final stretch of 2020, entering the holiday season known as Christmas. Somebody type in, praise God, that you're excited for Christmas season. Now, why is it that we're so excited for Christmas? I think it's because we're ready for 2020 to be over, right? Anybody with me? 2020 has literally been a wild year. So so much heartache and tragedy happened, so much uncertainty and change. We so desire for life to get back to normal and for us to meet again at the UA Midway Theater, which I'm going to say soon, right? Even so, come Lord Jesus. But if I were to ask you, what one word summarizes 2020 for you? What would you say? I mean, if you had to define this past year as what it's been through your lens, how you've experienced 2020, what would you say? I think a majority of us would say one word would define where we're at and what we're going through right now. Are you ready? Here's the word. Nope, not coronavirus. It is stress. How many would agree? Stress is what you are feeling or have been feeling the last 11 months. Every day, it just seems like a new adventure of stress for you. You wake up, you're afraid to check your inbox because once you do, you're going to be flooded with a project after project after project at work. And this is every single day for you since the pandemic. Or maybe for you, you have kids at home. And you feel like the walls to your 300 square foot apartment are closing in. You have to balance working from home. You got to keep up with your kids' schoolwork. You have to entertain them. And oh, if you have more than one kid at home, you also have to keep them from murdering each other, right? It's just true. Or maybe for you, it's been stressful and this pandemic has affected your workplace. And you keep hearing about how they might be downsizing. And you've been afraid because in the whispers, you're like, am I going to get cut? Am I going to lose my job? How will I provide for my family? Nobody's hiring in this market. What if it's months before I get a new job? Or maybe for you, the stress that you're feeling is every time that you sneeze or cough, you're afraid. I've got it. I got the virus. I got coronavirus. You don't want to wait in the long lines to get tested. And what if you go to the hospital, go on a ventilator? You don't want to die alone. You don't want to say goodbye to everybody uh, using an iPad, right? A lot of us, We are stressed out, maxed out, and a little bit bordering on depression. Christmas is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, but this year it's kind of snuck up on us and it's kind of been an afterthought. And so that's why for these next few weeks, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series called Holidays. 
how to experience a stress-free Christmas. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about just that. How do we eliminate stress and bring in peace into our lives? And today we're going to talk about how do we do something that New Yorkers, we struggle to do, which is to slow down. How do we slow down for what matters most? Now, this is important because Christmas should be a time of joy and celebration. It should be a time where we celebrate the gift of Christ and the freedom that he brought to us. In fact, look at what God promised to us through his son, Jesus Christ. You'll see this prophesied in a man named Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says these words, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, we see from these four titles why Jesus came to this earth. But one of them is so important, and it's so that you could experience His peace. So that you could slow down during a busy and crazy year to remember what it is that matters most. Now, part of the problem for us is that we often find ourselves so busy and so rushed that we're so caught up in the moment that we forget to slow down and to think about the side effects of living such a hurried and fast-paced lifestyle. So in your notes, I want to just give you a few side effects that hurt us when we live a fast-paced lifestyle. Number one, when I live a hurried lifestyle, I feel more stress. When I live a hurried lifestyle, I feel more stress. Stress is often a fuel that causes more stress, right? Think about it. I face stress at work. It brings on stress at home. When I'm stressed, there's a physical toll, but there's also an emotional toll, a mental toll, and a spiritual toll to this thing called stress. I feel like I have no time to myself, and when I don't, it often leads to more stress. Not only that, but the second side effect is when life gets hurried, I also lose my joy. Now remember, joy is different than happiness. Happiness often revolves around a set of circumstances that line up just right. And if it does, I'll be happy. But happy is momentary. Joy is eternal. It's more than a fleeting emotion. It's something we experience from the inside out, starting with our soul. So let me just ask, when was the last time that you felt genuine joy in your life? Not happiness, but true inner joy. A hurried lifestyle can cause joy to go out the window. Sometimes we move so fast through life that we can't even feel joy. And sometimes we're so serious about life that we don't take time to experience God's joy. But there's more side effects to this. Number three in your notes, when I get too hurried in life, I become less productive. I become less productive. Now, this might be a surprise to some of you because you think the faster you go, the more you get done, but the truth is, the faster you go, sometimes the less productive you become. It's known as the law of diminishing returns. In other words, God didn't make you to just keep going and going and going. He made you to be the kind of person that needs a recharge from time to time in your life. You need these times of life to say, I've got to get creative again. I need to rest again. And so it's important that we pause and experience this. But let me give you the fourth 
and what I believe is the most dangerous side effect of living a hurried lifestyle, and it's that I cannot hear God. Many times when we're stressed, we're listening to too many voices. There's the voices we hear at work, the voices of our peers, the voices of our family, of our doctors, of our financial advisors, that we forget to stop and listen to God's voice until we're stressed. You see, sometimes we're so busy that we can't hear the most important thing to hear in life, and it's God. Sometimes God might be trying to get a message through to you, but all the circuits are busy, and therefore we miss it and we can't hear it. You see, all the burdens and pressures that stress creates causes us to lose sight of the things that matter most. But understand that God did not intend for you to carry these burdens alone or to handle these pressures all by yourself. In fact, that's one of the purposes of why Jesus came from heaven to earth. Matthew 11, verse 28, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, how many of you here are weary and carrying heavy burdens right now? A lot of us, right? God came to give us rest. He promises that if we come to him in exchange, he will give us the rest that we need. So with this in mind, I want to look at how do we slow down for what matters most? And so you're going to see in the notes tab, if you click on that, I want to give you a few steps, a few things we can do to slow down for what matters most. Number one, first step you got to do is to be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. Now, last year, I surprised our oldest son, Blake, with a Nintendo Switch. Uh, Yes, I was one of those crazy people who woke up early on Black Friday, marched down to the Target on Austin Street in my hoodie, my shorts, and flip-flops, true story, and I bartered through the people to get him the Switch with the games and the extra controllers and all. And I'll never forget, Christmas morning, he opens this up, and couldn't believe it. He was excited. He opened up the present, immediately goes to play the games, and he's playing Mario Kart with his family. Then he's playing NBA 2K20, then RBA Baseball and Mario Party and all these games. And there were times at the beginning of the pandemic that we were worried because Blake was playing the games too much. We were like, are the screens too much for him? Is is this, should we worry about this? But now, 11 months later, he barely plays the Switch. It's old news to him. I mean, he even told me the other day, Dad, I don't like the Switch anymore. He's moved on to something else. He wants the Xbox. He wants the PlayStation 5, right? The word content is a word that retailers and marketers do not want you to hear during this Christmas season because everything is designed and programmed to lead you to believe that you need and you want more, that what you have isn't good enough And there's better out there for you. It's the Apple iPhone 12. It's the Lexus. It's the Tiffany's necklace, right? But see, if if we're serious about experiencing a stress-free Christmas, you're going to have to deal honestly with your motivations and your values. You have to take an internal look at what it is that drives you. So you've got to ask yourself, what are those things that motivate me from within? Is it how I appear before others? Is it having the latest tech gadget before everyone else does, even if I can't afford it? Is it getting that new car with the red bow on top for an extra $3,000? I don't know what it is, 
But you've got to find out what the motivations are for those wants and for those needs. You see, as a pastor, I've talked to so many people and I've come to realize that the primary motivation behind people who want more is often insecurity. Those who are discontent are often the most insecure person. You see, it becomes a matter of proving ourselves, right? We want people to like us. We think that if we reach a certain status or if we're able to purchase one more thing, then everybody will see us as significant. And it's that desire for more that leads us to the busyness and the stress that we often experience during the holidays. Look at what Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6 says. It says, It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. Now, if you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to get this. As long as you're not content with what you have, you will always face the stresses of having to acquire more. You see, the starting point in slowing down for what matters most is you've got to be content with what you have. The Apostle Paul, he's a great example of this principle. He learned how to be content in every season of life. Didn't matter whether he had plenty or whether he had a little. In fact, Philippians 4 verse 11 says it like this. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. You see, contentment is not something that people are born with and others aren't. Contentment is a learned skill. And as you grow in your relationship with God, you're going to find contentment in Him rather than in materialistic things. So number one, you've got to be content with what you have. Number two is learn to say no. Learn how to say the most powerful universal word in the language, no. You see, the word no is powerful. It could change your life. I believe it. In fact, let's try this right now. In the chat, I want you to type in the word no. Let's do it. Ready? Go ahead. Type in the word no, just, just to get in the habit of trying it. Let, let's see what you got. Now, awesome. Th- thanks so many of you who are typing in the words no. And even if you didn't want to do it, you still said no, right? Gotcha. huh? But here's what happened. In typing this in the chat, nobody died that we know of. Nobody lost their job. Your boyfriend or girlfriend didn't walk out on you. You're still here. My point is this. I'm being a little facetious, but saying no is not as bad or as difficult as we think it might be. You see, the number one reason why we get so overloaded and overwhelmed and stressed out in life is because we've said yes to too many things. Right? Yes to that job. Yes to that extra thing. Yes to this. And before you know it, we've said yes to too much. And we've taken on more than we can handle. And we're stressed out and overwhelmed. And we're unable to slow down for the most important things in life. You know, one of the things I've learned is that it's always easier to fill up a schedule than to empty it. Right? It's, always to say, it's always easier to say yes than it is to say no. But something we have to decide is just because I could do something doesn't mean that I should do it. In fact, even the Bible teaches us this principle. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. 
You see, one of the reasons why we struggle to say no is because we struggle to admit that we've got limits. We think we could just keep going, adding things to our plates without adding stress. But see, if you're going to add anything else in life, something has to go. You're going to have to learn to say no to something somewhere because there's only so much that you can carry. So if you're going to pick something else up, then you're going to have to set something else down. Our lives, they might be filled with good things, but you have to say no to good things in order to say yes to God things. And what it means is we have to slow down and assess our lives. And so if you're feeling overloaded, it might be time to take a serious look at your personal schedule. You see, when we're faced with a choice and with an activity, the question we have to ask ourselves is, is it worth it? If I'm going to do this, is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy? And is it worth my life? If the answer is no, well, then just say no, right? Don't do it. And when you learn to say no, it frees up your schedule and allows you to take the next step, which is number three here in your notes. So be content with what I have. Learn to say the powerful word no. And number three in your notes is to enjoy the gift of rest. Enjoy the gift of rest. Now, I use the word gift here on purpose because rest is a gift from God. In fact, the gift of rest is so important to God that he puts it in the Ten Commandments, the top ten rules that he set for the Israelites. Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 through 10. Here's what he says, the fourth commandment. He says, you have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. As you're here and you're hearing about the importance of rest, let me give you three reasons why we honor and we look at the Sabbath for fulfilling this fourth commandment Jesus has for us. Number one, the first reason is because of corporate worship. Corporate worship. If you look back in the verse, Exodus chapter 20, there's a section here where Jesus or where God says that the Sabbath is a day of rest meant to be dedicated to me. Now, we what that means is that we come together to honor God and to dedicate our day before Him. Now, the Jewish people, they celebrated their Sabbath on Saturdays, right? From sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. Now, why do we Christians worship on Sundays? Well, for two reasons. We worship on Sundays, one, because that is the day that Jesus rose again from the dead. He rose again on Easter Sunday. And so we worship God on Sundays, the day of resurrection. But also Sunday is the start of the week. It's the start of the calendar week, right? And so we worship God on Sundays in the beginning of the day to, as an act of symbolicness to say, God, I'm setting apart my week for you. Now, why we worship corporately is because together, community is a way that we learn about God. We learn about God through His Word. We learn about God through worship and prayer. And we learn about God in the context of community. And so that's why we're logged in and joining in together. We're honoring God through our Sabbath together through online corporate worship. 
the second reason why we have the Sabbath is for physical rest, right? No human being is meant to go through work nonstop. And so it's important that we rest. We have these moments of pause and we rest and reflect on our lives. Now, maybe you've heard this said, and I've heard this said as a pastor before too, where I've heard people say, well, you know, pastor, the devil doesn't take a day off, so I shouldn't. Now, I didn't know that the devil was supposed to be a benchmark for how hard we work or don't work, right? So I think let's, let's take a deep breath and let's settle for a moment. Even for us, we love to live in the gig economy, right? Where everybody's got a side gig. And so if I don't have my traditional job, I'm doing a side gig here, side gig there. But it's still important for you to pause and have moments of physical rest. He instituted the Sabbath for our sake, not for his sake, right? And the third reason motive for the Sabbath is for emotional restoration, for emotional restoration. You see, the Sabbath is meant to be a time, not only where we worship corporately, not only where we rest, but we do as the scriptures say, to be still and know that he is God, to pause and rest and be restored in Christ, right? We observe the Sabbath because we are not a product of our work or our worth, but we're a product in who God sees us as. And so emotional restoration, it's a time for us to pause and find our worth again in Christ. Jesus died for us before he checked out our LinkedIn profile or before he knew what job title you would have, right? Because your worth is in who God says you are. So we need to pause to be restored through the Sabbath. I love this next verse here, Psalm chapter 127. It is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? So so you need to take a break every now and then. And let's look at the last part here. How do we slow down for what matters most? Number four is I trust God with my schedule. I trust God with my schedule. Now, let's face it, during the Christmas season, we're almost always in a hurry. We're in a hurry when we're driving down the LIE. We're in a hurry when we're in the waiting line at the grocery store. We're in a hurry when we're trying to get toilet paper and Clorox wipes. We're in a hurry when we're at work and we're checking our email. We're always rushing. And the reason we get in a hurry is because we're impatient. Now, why are we impatient? I think impatience is really a lack of trusting God. We get impatient because we don't really believe God's going to take care of our situation. We don't really think that God knows what's best for us. We think we know better about our lives, or we think we know what will make us happy, not God. So we get in a hurry, and we strive, and we struggle, and we sweat, and we get hurried and stressed for nothing. Let me think about it. How many times have you made a bad decision or rushed into a situation unprepared all because you didn't trust for God and his timing. You see, the Bible is very clear. Yes, God has a plan for your lives, but God also has a timetable for fulfilling that plan. And we might not always know what that timetable is or how it will unfold. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says it like this. It says, God does everything just right and on time, but people can never understand what he is doing. You know, I love that statement. God does everything just right and on time. Trusting God with your schedule can feel like jumping into a dark pit and hoping that God is there to catch you. But see, that's why it's called faith. 
Because if you knew where God would lead you before you took those steps, that's not faith. Part of trusting in God with your schedule comes when you place your hope in Jesus Christ. You see, when you trust God with your entire life, you're able to offer your entire schedule to God as well. And look, I know many of you here right now, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're living an overloaded life. It's out of balance. It's frantic. It's hectic. You're moving from one thing to the next to the next with no relief and no release. 2020 has been a difficult year, but it can be a learning year for you as well. You see, stress is a sign that something has replaced Jesus at the center of your life. In fact, anytime you start worrying, it should be this warning sign, this red flag, a flashing light that's saying you've allowed someone or something to become the center of your life instead of Christ. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted in God, today can be your day to turn your life over to Jesus, to commit to follow Him, but it's a simple decision that will radically change your life. All you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus came on this earth for you He died on the cross and rose again for your sins so that you can know him personally, both here on earth and in heaven. In fact, let's close today with a powerful verse. In fact, I want you to, wherever you're sitting, if you're at home, if you're watching this uh, with your family, but I want you to declare this statement and read it out loud as a statement of trust, committing that we're going to slow down for what matters most. Here's what it says, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 to 31. It says, Even youth grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Let's read this next part together. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Let's take a moment and let's pray. God, we thank you for this time where we can look to your word. And so many of us, God, we do. We need to slow down and just remember what it is that matters most. Too many times we've gone through life overloaded and overworked and maxed out and stressed out. And God, your your scriptures are clear that when we come to you, you will give us rest. And so I pray you help us today to experience peace, experience joy, and experience hope today, God. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.